everybody. I'm Scott. Hello, I'm Julie. And this is A Good Story is Hard to Find podcast. Where two Catholic friends talk about the books and movies they love and the traces of the one reality that lie below the surface. Indeed, yes. And uh, today is episode 258, and we are going to talk about Ratatouille, the movie, not the food. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because I don't love the food. Uh, It sure looks nice, though, doesn't it? Well, the way they do it. Yes. They take a peasant dish and class it up the way you do in Paris. (laughs) Paris, France. That's right. Not Texas. Heck yeah. So uh, Ratatouille is a Pixar animated movie from 2007 and uh, directed by Brad Bird. You know, what's so funny is we were halfway through this, whenever the big chase scene happens where Ratatouille is running away from uh, with the will Mm-hmm. And um, I suddenly was partway into that chase scene. I went, Brad Bird directed this, didn't he? Because <laughs> I was like, he does ch- frantic, funny mm-hmm. chase scenes like no one else. Oh yeah, I think. Yeah, that's cool that you can see that. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know that I would uh, see that, but I know. I mean, he he hasn't directed a ton of movies, but we talked about The Incredibles. Yeah. Right, which yeah. is another Pixar movie. And then he's directed a Mission Impossible called Ghost Protocol. Oh, yeah. And then um, he's directed uh, Incredibles 2 and Tomorrowland. Tomorrowland, I, I really like that movie. Um, oh, I don't know I if never you saw, saw that. I really yeah. did like that movie a, a lot. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I, I don't know what, it's, what it is on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, I got movies I like that no one else did too, so I guess I need to put that on my personal to watch you list. Bet. Yeah, give it a, give it that. a look and see what you think. All right, I will. Um, but yeah, Brad, he, he's he's uh, so I don't. Th- there's one that we probably need to do that we haven't talked about my, or here on the mm-hmm. podcast yet, and that's the Iron Giant. <gasps> yes. I have that one on my list. I have five oh, posters of it in my back room where we watch TV. <laughs> I oh think gosh. I'm on board. I can't believe we haven't done it yet. I, no. And that's where we first discovered him. Yeah, and his next movie is called 1906, it says announced. And it looks like oh. it's going to be animated, but how how atypical. Um, not unlike Ratatouille, which is atypical for an mm-hmm. animated movie. Um, the description there, really quick. A young man discovers a series of secrets and lies that left San Francisco highly vulnerable to the fires that engulfed it in the aftermath of the historical 1906 earthquake. Heavens to Betsy. <laughs> was there a brick salesman who was said, ignored or I something? I have no idea. And it says animation, <laughs> adventure, and crime on it on IMDb. Wow. A spy thriller. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I've always thought that you know animation has got to the point where... Um, they should try to do some impossible science fiction movies on it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because your special effects budget is endless, right? Right. Um, Yeah, so um, it'll be interesting to see if we're going to see some features that are actually kind of really serious. I don't know. So this movie is one, um, I don't know, adults really like this movie. It's like it's an animated, you know, Disney slash Pixar film. Um, but it, to me, again, it's an atypical movie. I think kids do like it, uh, but um, my family I think did. A lot of uh, adults do too. Yeah, watching it, I was looking at some of the themes again, which I remember watching it the first time. And first of all, 
so really quick, it's, you know, if you, you should know this if you're a movie watcher, but mm-hmm. yes, it's about a rat who's got an unusual culinary gift. Yeah. And instead of being like most rats, which just eat any old garbage because, you know, they got to eat and they don't care. <laughs> he really does understand uh, the nuances yeah. of cooking in a way that few humans do. In fact, the human that he encounters does not get it. But yeah. is put in a position where they can work together, as happens in animated movies. <laughs> so, um, what happens is you get taken deep into the kitchen of a Parisian restaurant that's famous and shown some of the inside ideas of how food works from chefs' points of view. And that was the point where I was really pricking up my ears and surprised because... Um, my whole family, you know, being raised in a completely secular family, food was a religion, hmm. certainly for my parents. They dedicated themselves in a way to it that most Catholics would be proud to do mm-hmm. in terms of their faith. And um, uh, so when I was watching this, I was both recognizing and appreciating everything in a way that I think a lot of the movie viewers didn't do the first time around. I mean, you know. It's yeah. just, I was like, this is our movie. This is my family's movie That's right cool. here. That's cool. And, yeah. I, and I love, you know, the stories of, you know, what, what Pixar does to try to, you know, when they're, when they're animating something new, how mm-hmm. they'll film this stuff, you know. Um, but, but one of the stories around this one is that um, one of the producers or directors or somebody actually went to the French Laundry, which is uh, Thomas, Thomas Keller. Keller's restaurant, and um, worked there for a week. And oh, okay. Yeah, so, it, but I just love those stories, you know, where, oh, let's go in there and see what we can learn. Well, didn't and they take, didn't he take a bunch of them to Paris? He did, yeah. To go into the restaurants? Because, yeah, we instantly came home and started looking stuff like that up because I was like, how did they know this stuff? <laughs> oh, of course. They yeah. went to the top chef in America at that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, the one that everybody bows down and touches his feet <laughs> and uh yeah. they uh he, and he embraced it you know yeah in fact he's the one info. who came up with the ratatouille dish right the, the as as presented oh, the, in the okay. film right yeah he well and they're also they you know i should have looked into the background of this before we started talking about it mm-hmm. because there's that moment in this movie well are we into spoilers, I guess? Sure. We could go directly there. I described it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, but there's the moment in the movie when um, the critic takes the bite of ratatouille and rushes back in his memory mm. to when he was a little boy and his mother gave him. And, you know, she's spooning it into a bowl. It's a stew. That's the original peasant dish. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That mm-hmm. they make look so beautiful. And it takes back all the memories of his hurt knee and his mother's love and the comfort that this dish gave him. And what food means in terms of our family and who we are and everything. Oh, yeah. And of course, that's straight from, I don't know how you say it, Proust? Proust? Proust, yeah. You know that story? Uh, no, go ahead and tell it. I'm not sure I do know it. Marcel Proust, right? Yeah, Marcel Proust is given a Madeleine and. Which is a, it's just a little lemon flavored cake. Let's say that. That's classic French cake. So, and Mm -hmm. he takes a bite. He dips it in his tea. He takes a bite. And when he does, he's engulfed by this memory of his childhood. Mm. And just like this critic is, 
So see, this is this direct callback. If you know anything about food writing, anything about food in general, if you care about it more than just, I'm going to make this recipe, you know this story. They put that there for a lot of reasons, but they used it very effectively. And I was like, oh, it's that thing. You know, <laughs> it's Proust and the Madeline, which everybody knows, because then he wrote Remembrance of Things Past, and then he writes like 40 volumes of it, so no one reads the whole thing. But yeah, and it, it well, works just exactly cool. like that. I mean, it's those are the things that remind you and give you a perspective of who you are. Yeah, and um, you know, I would I would extend that even to things other than food. You know, uh, in a way, this could be generalized oh, yeah. to be art. You know, yeah. In fact, that's one of the things that kind of struck me was um, how Remy, mm-hmm. who is the rat, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, he's he's like you know his dad is telling him. Hey, you don't you want anything to do with people? You know, let's stay away from them, right? And then he said, um, I actually wrote this down. He says, I know I'm supposed to hate humans, but there's something about them. They don't just survive. They discover, they create. I mean, just look at what they do with food. You know, and I, I thought that was a mm-hmm. really positive way to look at humanity. You know, it's mm-hmm. um and I, I liked that very much. It was like and, and to me, you know, that's art of all kinds. Um but Remy is is appreciating that humans do this stuff. He says they don't just survive, you know, which is what I'm, I'm sure he's thinking that rats do. You know, we just survive, yeah. we just eat, you know, and and all this stuff. And but but humans, they do this stuff. Look at this amazing stuff that they do. And then when you think about it, you know, humans do do a lot of amazing things, and oh, uh, yeah. food is one of those things. Yeah. Well, yes, because think of um, listening to a piece of music that really stirs you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Think of listening. I mean, and I'm thinking, of course, of classical music more than other, but any kind of music can suddenly take you back in time. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. I st- hear mm-hmm. certain Eagle songs. I am back in college. <laughs> That's just all there is to There's it. There's no question. Yeah. That's yeah, powerful. And I, mm-hmm. and I might have told this story here before, but there was the time that our whole family was in Montreal and we were in. Um, our Lady of Notre Dame Church there. And we were all just separated, wandering around, looking at all the different things. And I was in the center aisle, and there was a young man ahead of me, and he was just standing there, and tears were running down his face. Hmm. And his girlfriend turned around and said, are you okay? And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just having a moment. Hmm. And I realized that that beauty had been used by God to strike him in a way that, of course, was transcendent. Mm-hmm. And you don't expect that just walking into a church or just listening to some music or just having something delicious to eat. And how many, I mean, think of all the times that Jesus talked about sharing meals. Yeah. Heaven is supposed yeah. to be the banquet, mm-hmm. you know, and he's not kidding. I mean, I think it's in a way that we can't comprehend. Mm-hmm. It's going to be like the fun and excitement and pleasure of having a big family party, hmm. you know? Yeah. Wow. And it's, and that mm-hmm. goes back to our link of, uh, we are co-creators with God. I mean, he made us in his image. He's a creator. He's the ultimate creator. But he, like this very movie we saw that somebody had to create. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's cool. It, it reminds me of our discussion of Babette's Feast. Yes. And then... Yes. Uh, yeah, and not only that, but uh, spinning plates. 
I remember yes. that that's an episode um, that I, I thoroughly really loved. It. And then we talked about the best cook in the world, and that's in the feed as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it's just remarkable. Um, you know, yeah, it, you know, food can be art, and that's I think what Remy is talking about. But this 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 fact that you know how we're connected to it and how. Um, you know, in the, in the Catholic church, you know, there, it's all the senses, you know, it's everything, Yes. you know, we can hear, we can taste, we can feel, I mean, it's everything is incorporated into, into this faith. It's not just come and watch <laughs> it's come and come and be right. You, you're, yeah. you're like being there instead of yeah. uh, standing there, taking it in. You're part of it. There's the holy water, well, there will be when the Mm -hmm. pandemic's over. There's the holy water that you touch Mm -hmm. to yourself to remind yourself of your baptism. There's kneeling Mm -hmm. uh, in prayer, There's you know, which is expressing with your body a relationship with God. There's, um, if they're using incense. Yeah, that's smell, right. um, And then, Mm -hmm. of course, we eat Jesus as food Mm -hmm. and drink him as wine. I mean, he gives himself to us in this most basic way that is such a high art that it's impossible to believe for a lot of people that yeah. you have to have an act of faith to believe is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And I didn't really think until you're talking about it because I'm used to thinking about food in a different way, but um, not that, not that I'm practicing uh, art the way they were in that restaurant, but you know, for me cooking for people, cooking them something they like and getting it right is an act of love. Mm, absolutely. Right. I feel and, the same way. Yeah, yeah, I do the same thing. Oh, right, because you do a lot of cooking, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know th- this whole idea—you know, uh, anyone can cook. Again, that's that's an expression um, in this movie that can be expanded to other things too. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, not everyone is going to be like you know. Let's say you're sketching with a pencil. Not everyone's going to be the greatest uh, pencil sketcher on the planet, but anybody can do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and uh, uh, you may get uh, this satisfaction or this this um, appreciation, whatever whatever it is that you're putting onto the page, is just as important for you as it is the whoever the greatest one is. Um, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and the fact you know that there are these other levels of food. In fact. Um, you know, that Anton Ego guy, the critic, you know, yes. and I think this says some stuff about critics too. I, um, I was going to say, I think Pixar was getting a few things off their chest <laughs> at the same time. Doing, yeah. <laughs> but he says that he understands what this Gaston, Gaston is the, the chef who said Gaston. anyone can cook. Yeah. What, what, how did you pronounce it? Gaston. Gaston. Okay. Or yeah. Gaston. Anyone can cook. Right. Yeah. Um, and he says, not everyone can become a great artist. But a great artist can come from anywhere. I thought that yeah. was very well put. Unexpected too. places. Exactly. Yeah. And also, it's also that idea when you pair that up with Gaston's Anyone Can Cook cookbook, it doesn't mean you shouldn't try. Right. And you may not be a great artist, but you may be able to make something that's better than, you know, craft macaroni and cheese. Yeah. You make the macaroni and cheese yourself, it's not that much more difficult. And there's the satisfaction of the accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Of understanding how it works a little better, and of having created something yourself from a recipe doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. And also, this is really a genius idea in the sense of rats are the are common animals 
and um, despised. And I have to put myself in that category <laughs> after trying to grow tomatoes last year, which we had a bumper crop until those little wretches got in there. <laughs> and if they didn't eat them, they took bites out of enough of Oof, them that were, they were ruined. And my husband set up a camera that would see what the activity was so we could try to combat this. And I tell you, when you see their little eyes just glowing as they sit there eating all your perfect tomatoes, you just... <laughs> I'm really feeling like the people who had the poison in the window, you know, I'm like, yeah. You bet. So this had a whole new dimension. I didn't think of that. That's awesome. So you're seeing this horde of rats and you're going, oh. I never felt it the way I felt it. They're just not that cute. Yeah. Watching Mm -hmm. this movie when all those, you know, before the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, this food, they're so right. And a cute rat, just like they do in Disney. You know, I'm used to this from, um, was it? Snow White and Cinderella and all this, all the cute little animals. So, but this, they all are this time through, they're going into that larder Mm. and all taking stuff and eating some of it. And I'm like, you couldn't have a better revenge. This is the opposite of what anybody who cooks wants. It's dirt, it's germs, it's, you know, animals ruining stuff. Mm. Uh, (laughs) I really felt it, man. That's something. It was but fun. To, it was fun to see Remy wash his hands. Yeah, well, and and have everybody else uh, be steam cleaned before they went and started running the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. Um, they made sure of that point. That, like, yeah, you they know. did. They did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the cooking lessons going on in there at the same time. Keep your station clean. Keep your sleeves cleaned. You know. Yeah. Don't just slop around. Act like you intentionally. You know. Act like you know what you're doing. Yeah. That I do that that to that level, but you know, yeah, yeah, and I, I think that um, you know uh, that that leads into another thing that I think that this show is saying um, to me anyway. You know, uh, mm-hmm. to me it's a theme, but it's um, being really good at something um, and cultivating mm. that and pursuing for those excellence. things exactly. Yeah. Um, there was a an extra on it, it's on YouTube as well, but it, there's an extra on the DVD where they talk to Brad Bird and Thomas Keller Ooh. separately. Um, okay, I'll send, I'll send. I should have sent you a link. I watched it last night, and it was a little bit too late to send it to you. But um, I rewatched. I had remembered seeing it before, but I thought it was really great because they're talking about being really good at something. Um, both of them. So Brad Bird is talking about how he, um, you know, uh, started to do animation when he was young and how he fell in love with that and how he pursued that. And then Thomas Keller is talking about the exact same thing, but he he's cooking, mm-hmm. right? And, they, and it was like these parallel interviews. They aren't in the same room, but it's like a 15-minute documentary where they're uh-huh. showing these two kind of in a parallel line. Both of them very, very, very good at what they do, and, right. and what it's like for them. Um, but I, uh, you know, so that's a cool extra. But I think that the movie was talking about that too. It's oh, yeah. like um, you know, Remy is awful good at what he does, right? And um, Linguini is is not. Um, but the <laughs> other people in the the other people in the kitchen, um, like Colette, mm-hmm. um, especially, is someone we spend a lot of time with. Um, I think Linguini is someone we actually don't really see at work, right? It's like he's 
gone. He's like in management now. <laughs> well, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at the end, mm-hmm. he's uh, they've got their little restaurant, and he's waiting the tables and kind of running the room, and that's what he's good at. Yeah, right. He's not good at the cooking. Uh-huh. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I was just, yeah, I was thinking about it because, and this kind of also goes along with both the reality of what a kitchen is like, one of those kitchens. I don't know, um, a book, there are a couple books. I will, if I remember, I'll put links up, but yeah. one of them is called Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain. Wow. I've been, rec- that book has been recommended to me oh, by a few people. Yeah, it's quite good. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's. I read it second, but yeah, it's the inside story that kind of blew the lid off of. Oh, here's what it's really like. You know, they're mm-hmm. doing drugs, or you know, it's a whole bunch of different kinds of people, mm-hmm. uh, more than anything. But there's another book. It's actually a series of books by Michael Ruhlman, R U H L M A N, and the first one is called The Making of a Chef, and it is fascinating. I've actually read it twice because I just enjoyed it so much and he goes off to the culinary let's see it's the cia culinary institute of arts or something like that and goes through the classes Hmm. as a journalist and so you know he's in the sauce class for a week or however or a month or however long it is he's in the whatever class and so you see all the different things that they focus on, why they matter, what the lessons are, and he gets to interview the different people teaching the classes. So that gives cool. kind mm-hmm. of the ideal perspective, as well as realistic, because a lot of these teachers ran their own restaurants before they came and were teachers. And then you get Anthony Bourdain going, okay, so here's a more average restaurant, mm-hmm. and here's what it's like behind the scenes. And those two things together give a really good perspective of all that, because one thing I liked is when they tell the backgrounds of all the chefs, you know, this guy, he he did time, but we don't know what for. He changes the <laughs> lesson every time I killed a man with this thumb, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is called back later in a great way in the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, But that's the reality, but it also goes hand in hand with the anyone can cook, you know, and you can rise above your background maybe or – you don't have to be a certain kind of person to do it because they're mm. all turning out fantastic food in this restaurant. Right, right. The one who's ruining it is the chef who's running the restaurant, whose name I can't remember, who's the villain, a villain. Yeah. Who's yeah. Uh, selling out with his, <laughs> those are hilarious names of the different fast food things. They were, he was putting <laughs> a chef Gaston's name right. behind. His um, name is Skinner. Just looked it up. Oh, yes. okay. Right. That that figures. Yeah. Yeah. Toothpick and chicken, Chinese. <laughs> and voiced by Ian Holm, I was pleased to remember. No, yeah. he was really good at so it. So very, yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it, so, uh, but anyway, it goes hand in hand with that whole idea of, you know, food is something that can be elevated to an art, and it's also something that anybody can approach because it's right there. We all have to eat. Mm. Absolutely right, and then the, the, this whole idea of team too. Um, you mm-hmm. know, th- that's you know everybody in the kitchen has a role, and um, you know in order for it to, you know, it's really intense activity, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. You know, it's when, a hard when, job. When yeah, when you're cooking and it's dinner time, right? You've got all mm-hmm. the prep up to that, but then when it's time, it's it's show time, right? You right. are busy, busy, busy for you know quite a long time, right. and if you're counting on everybody. You know, the, 
the person that's, you know, the, the sous chef and, and, you know, they kind of went through and they, they said what everybody's role was. And, um, I, I find that stuff fascinating just to read not only in food, but in, you know, just teams in general where, mm-hmm. you know, you read about like how Pixar works or how, you know, yes. uh, uh, kitchen works, you know, or when, whenever people talk about, you know, this height of activity and we're, you know, uh, we're, we've succeeded, you know, and this is kind of what it was like. I, I yeah, like to read going about to the that moon. stuff. Yeah, going to the moon. Absolutely. All it's those things. one of my things. favorite things to read about, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I highly recommend um, The Making of a Chef then. You you will love it. Okay, um, great. But, mm-hmm. and yeah, because that made me think also because we're also shown what is the downfall of the team. Mm-hmm. Jealousy. Yeah. You right. know, Colette the whole time is fighting feelings about the fact that this newcomer just walks in, he can't do anything and she's been working hard and she's had to extra obstacles. Mm-hmm. She's a woman. Women aren't working in this kind of restaurant. Right. Mm-hmm. And so she's had to be tougher and harder and everything else. Yeah. And he walks in and jumps right over. <laughs> yeah. 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 And he seems to be an idiot because yeah. he is, <laughs> you know, and, it's that, Remy and that's a microcosm of how um, things fail all the time. I mean, I was, I worked for a company one time that was owned by two brothers. Whatever happened between them, they split it up and, uh, it wasn't great after that. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? It it was like, I felt like I was part of something that was really going to be amazing. And then, um, because they couldn't get along, it broke in two. Um, and how often does that happen? Yeah. And how often does that happen? And even in, you know, something as big as the church. Oh man! Where you've got things like that too. It's these, you know, um, sometimes petty, sometimes justified, you know, um, feelings of, you know, this conflict between people that's just unavoidable. And we see it from the beginning. I mean, they, mm-hmm. Cain and Abel. Yeah, exactly. That's very good. You know, you know, or somebody makes a decision, someone doesn't push back. You've got Adam and Eve. Yeah. You know, um, they're influencing each other the wrong way, or they're jealous they're fighting they're mm. yeah um it's part of human nature and it's part of what we have to try to rise above and luckily for in the movie you know colette is able to do that first of all because of her professionalism i'd say mm-hmm. and second yeah. of all because she has an attachment to um linguini yeah but yeah. It it yeah. it talks about so many different things because there's also Remy is struggling with the same thing with his family. None of them understand him. Right. Cuz let's yeah. it, face it he's not a normal <laughs> rat. That's the whole point of the movie. And I love that his brother and he are both very fond of each other and his brother is like the exact opposite. He's like, "I showed up with some friends cuz you gave me so much great food last time, <laughs> but you know, I could eat garbage." Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Right. And they uh, illustrate the differences, but then, and there's the father. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use your talent to keep everybody else safe. You can sniff all these things so you can see if it's been poisoned, <laughs> come back with us and be a rat. Yeah. Clean. But in the end, <laughs> huh? Yeah, he was like clean. Yeah. Next to godliness. Yeah, yeah. I, I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> Pat Oswald is great too, by the way. Oh, he is really yeah. good is voicing Remy. But, too and funny. then mm-hmm. the father though of course at mm-hmm. the end the family comes through yeah yeah they stick together when the chips are down yeah, and that was remy. that was some you know like remy is like yeah humans but they're cool they do this other stuff and and um his dad is very negative he's like you know you got to worry about him you got to worry about him and then um 
you know, again, this jealousy stuff rears its head and Remy ends up bringing his whole family in there to raid the place because he mm-hmm. thinks it's over. And, uh, yeah, then they all get kicked out, you know? Um, but yeah, then to bring them all back in there, uh, it's just, you know, the, the reparation of it all was very cool. Yes. Yeah. Everybody was pulling together to support somebody that they yeah, love. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about the team Delta team or whatever, <laughs> taking out the food inspector. It just yeah. makes me laugh. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> he shows up and the entire kitchen is full of rats. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. It's, I guess that's every restaurateur's worst nightmare, you know. Right. Uh, mm. How do you keep the vermin out? and? <laughs> For sure, yeah. But yeah, and even Remy gets jealous because even though he knows better, he mm. can't get the credit for what Linguini's doing. Yeah. It's impossible. It is impossible, yeah. But he gets upset because he's not getting any credit. Well, is he doing it for the credit? Or is he doing... We all like credit for what we're doing, <laughs> but he started off just wanting to get a chance to do it at all. Yeah, and that's that's a struggle in daily life, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. you know... Are you doing this? Yeah, it, yeah. Things like that happen. You know, the credit doesn't get put where it's due, and um, the feelings that that brings up, and um, you're just like, okay, am I doing this for the right reasons? You know, why am I doing this? You know, all those thoughts. You know, I run through those cycles. Don't we all? Mm-hmm. That's also part of what we have to try to rise above. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it makes me think, too, is, the, and then where are people getting credit, too much credit, and they shouldn't, because we haven't really talked about the critic much. But the critic has all this power, and as is pointed out by the end, he's saying, but we're not even doing anything. <laughs> we're sitting back, we're taking shots, yeah, because we can. Yeah, that was really interesting. And and you're right, you know, it's like, is this Pixar, you know, say, stating something, but... um yeah, I've got the quote here from Anton Ego. He says, in, in many ways, the work of a critic is easy. We risk very little, yet enjoy a position over those who offer up their work and their selves to our judgment. And then mm-hmm. he says, we thrive on negative criticism, which is fun to write and read. <laughs> but the bitter truth we critics must face is that in the grand scheme of things, the average piece of junk is probably more meaningful than our criticism designating it so. And that's... That's Pixar, probably. <laughs> Although they usually you know. had, at that point, they hadn't taken a misstep. But I, right. Mm-hmm. But who, but who knows what everybody in that room was bringing to the critic problem? And mm-hmm. and honestly, it is so easy to sit and take shots at something for sure without trying mm-hmm. to understand it. And I think our culture today is suffering from you know a lot of critics and. Fewer people who are actually trying to do something. Yeah, yeah. There's there's the argument, which I think is what people. A, a lot of our politicians now are in there in it for that. They're not idea people. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're not there to solve anything. They're there in a in a selfish manner to argue and maybe get on to a TV show or something like that. Oh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of that going on. There's That's not a lot of people funny. that are sitting down and saying, hey, you know, can we talk about this and figure this well, out? And Is that's it- an excellent point. I was thinking of, 
Amazon book reviews oh, and okay. Goodreads book reviews and mm-hmm. Letterboxd and the places where I see people putting their opinion out there. And um, some of these people are just so unbelievably pretentious. And mm. the worst thing is, is that, and not everybody, it's not a big percentage, but for me, what I've noticed is a book can have thousands of positive reviews but they always make sure to put one or two opposing comments on top too you know Mm -hmm. when you're looking and those are the ones if i've seen a lot of good reviews i'm like oh maybe and then i see a couple bad ones and i read them and i'm like oh yeah no i'm I'm never gonna take a chance on that book Mm -hmm. i'm so easily influenced by the negative and it's so easy on tv and reviews like that and facebook and twitter just to toss out something negative Mm -hmm. Um, it it really hits home more now than it did when the movie came out in 2007. And I did notice that, um, I don't, you probably saw this, but on his typewriter from the front, they show it and it's a face like a skull, <laughs> the design of the typewriter. Yes. So yeah. he's typing death. And then when they show him from above, he's walking through his room or his assistant is walking through his room and it's shaped like a coffin. <laughs> Uh, So, it's Mm. they're making very clear that kind of critic doesn't really, he's not dealing in anything creative and life-giving. His creativity is not being used well. You think of somebody like Roger Ebert, who could go, I know, no one's going (laughs) to love this movie, but I'm giving it three stars. I had a great time watching it. It's got all kinds of problems, but it was so fun. Yeah, and then he's got a whole book called uh, Your Movie Sucks. Yeah. You know, which I have, you know, and I, and I, you know, it's talking about fun to read. It is fun yeah. to read though sometimes. And uh, I remember, I think it was Rob Schneider who had a yeah. big old problem with <laughs> with one of the one star or zero star reviews of his uh-huh. movies uh, um, and Ebert and he responded to Ebert. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it could be hurtful for sure. But uh, well, Ebert, could, Ebert could let her rip uh, really yeah. well. <laughs> oh, yeah. And sometimes it's really um, warranted. Yeah. You know, oh, there's sure. a lot of bad yeah. stuff that's created as well as good. But mm-hmm. but at least his were thoughtful. Yeah. And you could read the good and the bad. And, I mean, I'll never forget watching Abraham Lincoln, Vampire Hunter, and coming out of it going, I can't help it. People are going to hate me when I give this a good review, but I liked it. It was fun. And the very next day he did the same thing. He said, I would never have believed going into this movie that I'd come out going, that was fun. It was <laughs> that's great. Cool. That's that's so, great. Yeah. And, and then this critic in the movie, um, the, this rat serves them food, right? And he finds out at the end, he wants to meet the chef and he waits and waits and waits. They said, when you're the only one left, we'll we'll introduce you, and he in, yeah. and they tell him the truth. This is a rat, and of course he was shocked. But then he goes ahead and he writes this rate this rave, you know, this beautiful review. This was the most amazing food I've ever, you know, whatever. And then, um, well, they they had uh, the chef and the health inspector were tied up. <laughs> In the back. Yes. And they had to let them go, right? So they let them go. And, of course, the health inspector shuts the place down. (laughs) So Anton Ego, the critic, had just written a rave review of a restaurant that just got shut down for health purposes. So his reputation is shot. And he actually gets fired. They say that in there. Oh, yeah. Right? But then 
he's so happy, right? When 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 they go to the um, the little the chateau or whatever you want to call, yeah. um, he is just beside himself with happiness. Well, he's an investor. He's an owner. Yeah, he sets them up. But he's stopped being a critic too. Um, because they give him what he ordered in the restaurant. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Uh, he ordered, uh, and I hadn't remembered this. He says, I'd like some perspective. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but, you know, mm-hmm. tell your chef to give me, serve me some perspective. And he does. Right. Because he gives mm-hmm. him the ratatouille, which is like Proust Madeline. Yeah. Which brings back real humanity because you can see he views himself as the opponent in a game when he talks about going to this restaurant that Mm -hmm. he's already put down right he's he is loaded for bear he is just ready to take it out he's made his mind up yeah Yeah, exactly so you get the feeling that he's no longer typing about death or or you know that's how i got felt felt anyway yeah exactly because Mm -hmm. it brought back his humanity Mm -hmm. he was he remembered perspective, right? You know, like, yeah. they, and I was so impressed by that. I was like, "Oh, right, I forgot." He ordered perspective, and they gave it to him. This is yeah, what he gets. That's what art does, man. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, food and other kinds of art. You know, man, it just brings that right back to you, huh? It's like well, you know, you, you sometimes you feel like you're in a machine all day. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you know that's how I feel sometimes. Yeah. But then when you're when you're confronted with um, just a beautiful piece of art. Suddenly, you know, it it fixes things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, this movie as a whole, I would say that. I, I would say um, this is a um, a gem in that way. You know, it's a, it makes yeah. me feel good watching it too. But it's beautiful oh, yes. to look at. Beautiful to look at, and um, I really like the points that it makes. And so French. Oh my and goodness. And so French. Oh yeah. Yeah. What do you see well, when you, when you say that? What is in your oh, mind. their whole depiction of Paris. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, just even from the way the streets are when Remy's running away from the cars mm-hmm. and the feel, it's you could almost just feel like you're there. I mean, you can tell they were there. They did. I mean, they got it. Yeah. Um, I saw a little note that said, uh, from The Incredibles, there was a villain called Bomb Voyage. Oh yeah, he's in the, he's in there while they're while they're bicycling around Paris really? in Ratatouille. Oh. He's there. He's a mime. Oh my god! Oh, I saw the mime. <laughs> yeah. I didn't see that was Bon Voyage. Yeah, so oh, I didn't great. I didn't either until somebody pointed it out. But okay. that made me happy. I remembered the mime. Yeah. But that is perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's um, if I've already said this, I've thought it several times while we're. Uh, talking it's you know there's a certain amount of genius in taking something as ordinary as food and talking about how you can elevate it to art because we don't all have to have a painting around we don't all have to have posters or music or movies or books or all the other ways that art is creatively expressed we do usually but we all have to eat and you know sometimes you just settle for grabbing a burger because like the brother we have to eat mm-hmm. and it's fuel yeah. And maybe the dad actually says that. This is fuel. Why are you worried about it? Mm-hmm. But um, when you take something and elevate it like that, it does become art. Yeah. And I remember um, there's a quote from Julia Child that I like. It says, you know, if uh, food is effervescent, so is the ballet. Mm-hmm. You know, the, and so are fireworks, I'm thinking. And all these things that are art that are here and gone. 
And so taking something as ordinary as food, which we all must have, and looking at the ways that it becomes something more part of our lives is really a work of genius. And it, and it passes on such an important message at such a good age, when kids can at least have this to remember and think back on. Sure, yeah. Yeah, how important that is, you know. Yeah, feels like there's mm-hmm. a lot of negativity around, and, you know, this is good stuff. Well, and certainly food is one of those things that people will focus in on and suddenly everybody's doing a cleanse and everybody's <laughs> eating this, you know, the mm. like the Neanderthals did or all meat or oh, no yes. meat or vegans or, yeah, I mean, all carbs or, you know, they pick these things and then they just, what they're doing is they're treating it like um, either fuel or a chemical experiment or, mm-hmm. and it's like, that's... Yes, you have to have a balanced diet, but but you can enjoy it at the same time. You don't have to be so single-minded and focused like sure. that. Sure, yeah. And how many, how much science fiction, uh, you know, you just have a pill for dinner. <laughs> just kill me now. And it's got all the fuel that you need, right? Yeah. Right. And they all act like, this is super good. Yeah. And it's like, no, that doesn't sound appealing at all. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I will... I will pass that by. Thank you. <laughs> you bet. You'll you'll require a full kitchen in your Martian vehicle. Absolutely. At least a hot pot. <laughs> that's right. I want to cook I love something. It. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's really great. But yeah, um, yeah, and and the artwork in this movie, um, it, it was really something. Uh, you know, it, you could watch it forever just looking at the details. Um, and, and, um, in that little featurette, you know, it showed how Brad Bird worked with the, you know, we say it was directed by Brad Bird and what that meant for a film like this is he had a whole team of people and they were all doing scenes. And when they felt like they were done with a scene, they would call him in right to, to their office. You know, it it was like a hallway with a bunch of offices and it was, it looked like he would make rounds, you know? And oh, he would go in there okay. and he would he would watch the scene and say, yeah, this is great. But if, you know, you have a little bit to do here or there and work on that, you know. And then he would go to the next office and say, okay, we got this. Man, you could really elevate that if you did this. And, um, you know, uh, so he was, he was demanding more out of people. And um, he said, you know, some people feel like I'm really hard on people. But I just feel like if they could just do that one thing, it would be great, you know. So he was constantly requesting that of of the people, the animators. There's some movie I've seen where I know I've discussed it in different movie groups. And people have said, this guy is such a jerk and so hard on everyone. And I'm like, that's very true. But can you achieve greatness without demanding the absolute excellence? That everybody can it, give. It is a story that we hear over and over, you know, like Steve Jobs, you know, and, um, mm-hmm. and the the iPhone and stuff. They used to just say, you know, he was just incredibly demanding. And oh, yet he yeah. was, here it is, you know, he's done something, right? Um, Elon Musk is another one. Um, I actually got to visit a Tesla plant in Nevada one time. Oh, neat. That was shortly after, unfortunately, um, he laid some people off for... Um, I think it was called non-performance. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So it's like, 
you know, he has this level of, of, you know, you need to be at this level. Um, and even though they were dying for people, he lays some people off because they weren't doing it. Um, you know, that, that seems harsh, but look what it ends up with. Well, you know, and isn't that what we're as Catholics, we're supposed to be saints. Yeah. Being a saint means completely giving yourself in whatever form of life you have the best way you can. Right. Being selfless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's And you're so God is asking that of us and he's not asking it because he doesn't like us, he's asking it cuz he loves us. He wants us to achieve our full potential. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not saying and today you can kind of be a jerk cuz I know you've been good all week. <laughs> Yeah, no, you yeah. keep going because the way you achieve excellence is by continuing to strive. Right. Yeah. Because it's not just technology. I mean, I think of that documentary you mentioned, Spinning Plates. Mm-hmm. All three of those, I mean, that family with the Mexican restaurant, they're working incredible hours. They're asking it of themselves. The one also in, is uh, it Ball City in Iowa? Yeah. They also are doing that. Um, they're the whole family is working like crazy all the time. Grant, is it Ahertz? The the guy mm-hmm. in Ch- the Chicago restaurant, his whole staff does that because they're all the same mindset. Mm-hmm. And he asks it, and they know that's what you need. That's how you get your Michelin stars. Yeah, it is incredible. Yeah, I mean, just just to think about that, you know, just achieving excellence, it requires effort. You know, and and right. and you know, in church and stuff, like you're saying, you know, if you, if you want to be a saint, you know, which is what we're supposed to strive for, um, it, it's not like you you take a day off. It's not like you say, okay, today it was well, like Mardi Gras, right? You, you, <laughs> today's Mardi Gras. Tomorrow you'll start, right? Right. Um, we're, we're constantly doing that. We're constantly pushing things off, and so oh, we'll start this tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. But there was a there was a quote who said, you know, he who wants to keep his garden tidy doesn't reserve a plot for weeds. Oh. Right. So you don't wow. yeah, you don't <laughs> you don't keep that stuff, right? So yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's definitely well, hard. Yeah, and when you think about doing an examination of conscience, which I don't do nearly often enough, so that's mm-hmm. at the end of the day for non Catholics, you would you'd stop and kind of just think over the day just maybe five minutes worth, just very briefly, like, here are my high points, here are my low points, thank you, God, for being with me in the high points, but I know you were there for the low points, too, and you never have a day when there's not something you wish you had done better. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you're beating yourself up, you're just like, oh, wow, I, that that thing I could have handled better, been more complete at, um, you know, we all have regrets, yeah. I could have not I could have held back that sharp word. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Mm-hmm. And that's part of but I'm going to try not to do it tomorrow. Help me not to do that tomorrow, God. Be with me on this thing. Yeah. Maybe yeah. tomorrow you get that right, you get something else wrong cuz we're all human beings, we're not perfect, but the striving is what helps make the things that you're sorry over become less big, less important. And it helps you to stand up for the times when you do need to do something big and maybe you can handle it better because you've been practicing on the little stuff. Right. Yeah, and it all comes back to this movie, you know, that this striving is what makes you good at stuff, right? It's yeah. like, you know, you you find that you're really passionate about food and uh, you watch Thomas Keller and what he did to get where he is. 
That was striving, right? Well, yeah, and you're watching your knife skills. Yep. And you're watching this and that. And I know in my own life in the last few months, somehow lately, I've been paying more attention. When a recipe says, cut this in one-inch cubes, I actually do it. I'm kind of going, oh, that's about an inch. Okay, I'll actually do that. Oh, gosh, mm-hmm. the recipe turns out better. Huh, yeah. I learned something. Right. You know, there's mm-hmm. a reason for doing things big or small or whatever it is. Um, and sometimes I just use my own judgment. It works out better. I mean, yeah. I change recipes all the time, but I'm using my own judgment based on decades of cooking. Mm-hmm. Because I have the decades of cooking. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. And another thing that both Brad Bird and Thomas Keller talked uh, briefly about was being inspired by other things and pulling that oh. into their thing. That's neat. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? So like Thomas Keller, he'll see an ice cream cone and he'll think, oh, you know, uh, he, he he does this little, it's like salmon on a cracker, but he does it and it yes. makes it look like an ice cream cone. Yeah, he has a word for cool. it. I can't remember, but he says, you know, yeah, you just pull that in. It's just like, you know, that's inspiration. You're out in the world and you see things and you're like, oh, that's, that could be this, you know. It's also playfulness. Right. He's right. clearly having a good time and going, oh, wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, right. And it delights yeah. people when they bring them out. Um, I can't remember what I saw, but it was something at his restaurant and people were eating appetizers and he had made some kind of a savory scrambled egg for an appetizer, but he'd had cleaned out eggshells that he put it back into to serve them with. (laughs) Yeah, with the top off. It was very Uh, clever. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it look beautiful, taste beautiful. Yeah, and it's a Mm -hmm. sense of fun, you Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. Memorable. Right, and I think that's important too. That that Mm -hmm. keeps it coming back. You know, and and I do know, you know, like um, the people that made this Ratatouille movie, it would would not surprise me at all to know that, that the... The last few months of putting this movie together were probably hellish. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they probably worked a lot of hours and all that stuff. But I also bet that after it was over, they were very happy. Oh, yeah. Because what a work of art they made. Look at what we did together. Right. Yeah. And I, I've had some experiences like a theater play, you know, where mm-hmm. you're directing a play or in a play. And that run up to the show is just really gets intense. And then... Once you start doing the show and people like it, it's all worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to think. I know I must have had... The only thing that comes to mind right now is working on like Beyond Cana retreats or something. Yeah, right. You know, you got it's yeah. this big push and it's out there and it's the team working on it together. Mm-hmm. And then during it is great, you know. Yeah. These the big couples events, are off in right. rooms doing whatever it is and we're... You know, all yeah, talking and laughing of all and kinds. Fun you know, like, like your yeah. books. You know, your books has got to be that way too. There's got to oh, be a yeah. run up to the end, and you got an yeah. editor and someone, a graphic, graphic people. <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. You get well, them done, really and you're true. like, yeah, there you go. Just I forgot about this. that. Look at Thank what you. this is now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. You got got to go through that. Exactly. So. Exactly. Good. Yep. But I love this movie. It's yeah, it's a movie choice. I've probably seen it six times or more. I, it just every now and then I watch it. So mm-hmm. now that I have Disney Plus, oh. <laughs> it's easy. Ooh, high roller. <laughs> high roller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, on a side note, I mean that's interesting. I think um, 
I, I, I haven't bought DVDs for a long time now. And I think that, um, you continue to do so. I do. Uh, yeah. And I think that's, that's great. Um, but yeah, it's, it's like, you know, I get Disney plus, but I've, I've got too many services. I can tell you that right now. It's just like, oh. man, this is getting insane. <laughs> well, and we do our fair share of streaming, but mm-hmm. I still buy the DVDs because I don't trust the internet. Yeah. I've had just enough times when the big storm's rolling in and halfway through a movie, oh, that's it. We're there done. You go. Yeah, that's that's one thing. And then the other thing is like something like Disney Plus comes along and uh now all of those movies disappear off all the services that you may have, right. like Netflix, and now you've got to go buy another one and it is happening like crazy. So um, you know, now NBC has one, CBS has one. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Amazon, Netflix, Hulu. Yeah, it's just all being splintered and, and they're all like fighting for content. You know, they're making all their own content too. But, you know, to find a movie sometimes is is not as easy as, as that. Yeah. And, and what happens and if when you have the everybody, DVD, you've got it. Yeah. everybody quits carrying your movie? What if I want to watch Gone with the Wind? Yeah, right. And everybody suddenly decided, oh, no, we don't have enough yeah. special warnings on it. We're pulling it. We don't have that. That's very, very true, too. You yeah. know, so yeah. it's it's something that really came home to me. I already was doing it. Uh-huh. But it really came home to me during the pandemic when our library closed. And I was like, whoa. Oh, no. Yeah. I get a lot of DVDs from here. I get mm-hmm. all my books from here. Luckily. We're amply supplied with books and DVDs. We we were just rereading. It was fine. That's but, great. Yeah. Yeah, but it's that idea of how much do you depend on other people for the stuff mm-hmm. that you really love? And these things, I. It's funny. Mom calls it being a hoarder, but I don't. I think if I want to, in <laughs> yeah. the middle of the night, if I want to read Uncle Tom's Cabin, I just want to get up go. and pull it yeah. off the shelf. That's right. I you know I love collecting books too, or I have yeah. I have plenty of books. Yeah. Yep. Same, so with the DVD, mm-hmm. not not as much with the regular movies, but there are some that you just, like you said, you watched mm-hmm. Ratatouille six times. Yeah, yeah. I have the DVD. That's what I watched and it. And I from. have it. I have it as well. Yeah. Right. So. Very anyway. good. Yeah. So um, do you own Casablanca on DVD? I do. Yay. Okay. <laughs> and do you? That, I don't. I don't. You can stream it though. Oh, I Oh, I'm sure I'll find it. Yeah. And I've seen it before, and I love it, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. That's going to be the subject of our next episode, Casablanca. So we we flipped um, the order um, yes. because you wanted to do Casablanca before the next book, and the next yeah, book looks good. Mention it, yeah. A gentleman in Moscow, and surprisingly, uh-huh. Casablanca is important to that book. Very at a good. Point, and I thought we haven't talked about it, so mm-hmm. this will be a lovely little pairing up and. Scott very nicely said, sure, let's change the order up. Yeah, some. so we'll do so. A, a movie next week or next episode. Yep, so Casablanca, and then that'll lead into A Gentleman in Moscow yes. by Amor Tolls. Yes. Very good. All right. Well, thank you very much for talking about this movie. This has been so much fun. As you can tell, it's a movie and a topic dear to my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Yes, thank you. See you next time. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. Mm -hmm, Bye-bye. Bye.